to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We have been sharing basic Bible truths, the, the, the basic doctrines that we believe as children of God. This is normally something that might come about for a new Christian, but it's for all of us. It's for all of us to be refreshed in, to be grounded in, to be ready to give an account for what we believe. And you've heard of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, I'm going to give you a title for the message tonight. The good, the bad, and the good. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Many things are up in the air in a difficult situation right now. You know, some people with their jobs, family, family plans and vacations, things getting altered, uh, a supply of certain products that we need, camp. Camp is altered at the moment. I'm not counting it out, as I said, but camp is in a struggle for us this summer. There may not be anyone less disappointed than me about camp at the moment, but I would like to say I believe there's no one that's more disappointed than I am as well concerning this situation. You know, there are a lot of good things about camp. We are there some four and a half days, and we share the Word of God together uh, about a dozen times, all in all. And we sing praises to the Lord all week. We pray to the Lord. We have time of, of bonding together. We call it our, our outbreak groups. And we, we share with one another and, and share testimony. And it's an amazing week. And it helps to have a lot of sports to play. We have a lot of fun playing sports. We go swimming. Uh, we have just fun times together in the cabins. We have, we have breakfast. We have lunch. We have dinner. We have a late night snack maybe after dinner. We have breakfast again. A lot, lot of good eating at camp. We, we love camp. However... As we can talk about so many good things there are about camp, there are some bad things about camp. Several people have to share restroom facilities together. Um, when we go out and play basketball together, several hot, stinky, sweaty guys come into one cabin in very close quarters and everyone wants to get by the fan. And I seem to be behind the sweatiest, stinkiest guy getting, that, getting the seconds of the fan air. There are some bad things about camp. Yet, every year, every counselor and every camper is very excited about camp. Everyone's ready to go. The bad is always there. But, but when you take the entire experience of a camp week, 
You have some good, you have some bad. And when you put it all together, we leave there saying camp was good, camp was great. We love camp. And that is exactly what God is doing in our lives. In everything that we go through in life. The Christian's entire life is made up of good things and it's made up of things that we call bad and God has a plan and God is working to bring about the full sum total of everything as being good. I mean, there are joyful things in life. There are hurtful things in life. There are devastating things in life. There are sad situations that we get into. But God mixes those things all together and makes it something wonderful. In this one verse tonight, we are going to consider the good, the bad, and the good. And as we consider this, we're going to consider that this is something that God can do and only God can do. I mean, through the the pleasing, the painful, the shocking, the satisfying, mixing it all in one. And it is good. You know, the Christian visits this verse often. Romans 8.28 is probably not unfamiliar To anyone, everyone is familiar with this verse probably and quite frequently goes to it, quotes it, reads it, meditates on this promise. And it's always true. And what is true is that God is always working all things out for our good And for his glory. You know these lessons might be for the beginner Christian in some ways. But it is for all of us. And we all need this. You know I think of myself shortly after I was saved. Needing a beginner's class as a child of God. And I heard people say things like. You may go through harder, worse Things as a child of God than you ever did before you were saved. I heard things like the devil is going to be after you even more now that you're a child of God than when he had you right where he wanted you. And I'll admit, as I was growing as a babe in Christ and People said that. I'm glad they said that. Those things are true. But I will admit, I had the thought, well, I'm saved, but what do I really want to do? Do I really want to serve and be faithful to God and and be in a struggle here? I'm already saved. Maybe I can just fly below the radar and be a casual Christian and and stay home a little bit and and maybe I won't get the devil's attention and these things won't come on me in life. And, And it just kept going through my mind that as a child of God, the truth is we're going to go through a lot of challenges, maybe harder challenges than before we ever became a child of God. 
and and the devil is really after us and 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 that would shake me up some. It gave me some disturbing thoughts as a babe in Christ. So there's something that you and I really need to share tonight. We're going to take the gloom in life and we're going to blend it with God's grace. We're going to set it down in God's love so that we might see the amazing result of everything that God is doing. The first thing I would like us to consider in this verse is that we're sure of good. We are sure of good. Look at the first three words of this verse. It says, and we know. I'll admit that I myself have many times jumped into certain aspects of this verse, and I have just rolled right over these first three words. But they are important words. We should not skip these first three words as we think about how Paul is inspired by God to give these words, and and he starts out saying, and we know. So you understand the Christians that Paul is writing to, he's not trying to prove this truth to them, that God works all things out for good. He is giving a reassuring tested promise of God that is faithful to be true. He is not trying to correct a wrong way of thinking of some. He is sharing truth that this and these promises we're talking about, this is something that is known by the child of God. It is not trying to be proven to them. Paul says back in four chapters earlier, in chapter four, he says, and being fully persuaded that What he had promised, he was able also to perform. God is keeping his promises. And he makes a huge promise here that all things in every corner, in every turn of life, everything you experience, good and bad, he is going to bring it all to come around to be good. God has an A-plus Perfect reputation for keeping his promises. He is undefeated with zero losses for keeping promises in his word. And this promise is all things work together for good. And Hebrews 6.18 says that it is impossible for God to lie. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says that God cannot lie. So we're sure, we're sure of good. But as we think about this verse and this promise, let us consider that the sum is good. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. The verse doesn't say here that good things work together for good. The verse doesn't say here that some things work together for good. Notice every every single word in the word of God is important. And we know that all things work together for good. Every event of life. 
every one of our happenings that we go through in life, around every corner, no matter what, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how encouraging, no matter how discouraging something is, the sum total of everything in life, God puts together, leaving nothing out. He has to leave nothing out. You know, there are some ingredients, there are some things you would leave out of baking a cake. There are some things you wouldn't put in there. But in this grand dish of life, if you will, of ours, and everything in it, God makes every single thing work. Work to His glory. Work out for our good. You know, I know we can all relate And we can think back to something we have experienced or been through. And it seemed to be setting us back in life. But what we can understand from this promise that totally changes our way of thinking. Is that God was immediately using that for good. It may have surfaced quick. It may have happened years ago. And the good hasn't surfaced yet. But God is working for our good from everything, from everything. He's going to bring about good in the long run. He knows everything that is going to come about in our lives before it comes to pass. And, and, and this is not in my mind, but this is the mind of God that he knew it in advance. It passed through his inspection station and he allowed it to come about in our lives for some reason. But the ultimate thing is going to be good. We will eventually like the results of some things we go through in life that we do not like. Can I say that again? We are going to like the results eventually of everything we go through in life, even though they are things that we do not like right now. That is our amazing God whose thoughts and his ways are far above our thoughts and our ways. He works in all things. Let's. Look at a few of these things for just a minute. How about delightful things? I can start with an easy one. And there's there's no searching, there's no speculation in delightful things. Of course, we believe delightful things are good and work for good. It's good to have a family. It's good to have our health. Some have different measures of health, but we all have some health to be thankful for. It's good that we have our needs met. I doubt there's anyone in this sanctuary tonight that's starving to death. Uh, we, We have all had food on our table. It's good that we have had that. We have a roof over our head. We have shoes on our feet. The children of God have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is good to think on these delightful things. Whenever blessings just shower our lives, we give praise and we give thanks to God. And and we are on the mountaintop and it makes us want to be the best child of God that we can possibly be. To honor God and to live for the Lord. And we give Him Praise and thanks for his good and holy name and all of his blessings and the delightful things that we have in life. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. God is in all things. He's in delightful things. He's working in difficult things. Let me just throw a big one out there that's, that's, that's just hard to deal with. Cancer. Cancer in and of itself is not good. Uh, cancer is a very cruel disease. But... What God does within someone's life during the experience of their cancer is very good. And He is working for good in it. For the result of the experience of that cancer. God is working to bring about good from that. God brings about good from our bad experiences. He hasn't left us out. He did it for the psalmist, and he'll do it for us too. In the 119th Psalm, in the 71st verse, it's, listen to this. It says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. The psalmist suffered affliction, and it made him have a hunger for the word. It made him get into the word more. And he experienced that healing balm of the word of God and the power of the word of God in his life. He will do for us what he did for Joseph. You know what Joseph's brothers did to him. They they sold him into slavery. They thought about killing him. They threw him in a well. Joseph didn't see that well coming. And they they sold him into slavery He's over in Egypt. His brothers have told their dad that he has died. He's gone. They, they brought back his coat dipped in blood and said, I'm sorry what happened to Joseph. They were jealous of Joseph. And when you're jealous of someone, you're mean to him. And so they sold him into slavery. And you know how God brought about all things with Joseph Mending his family with his brothers and with his dad. And then when the brothers started to to release what was on their conscience about what they did to him and what Joseph should do to them. Joseph said, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Would you just grasp a little bit of of that understanding Of Joseph concerning this promise. You know the death of a family member. Many times brings about the deliverance of another. 
Many people are saved at the funeral of a family member. Or God uses that event to get their attention on eternal life. And they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Financial struggles can seem to be endless for some. But while that's going on, their spiritual bank account is steadily growing by faith as they trust in the Lord through such a difficult time. Whatever God is allowing or whatever God is sending into our lives, it's for ultimate benefit. Everything, all of these things. It's for benefit to us and it's for blessings to his holy name. God has never said that we will like all things. But God has said for you and I to thank him in all things. And this verse is a great help for you and I to do this. To give thanks to God in all All things, in delightful things, in difficult things. How about demonic things? Somebody just went, you lost me, Brother Kenneth. Well, you consider Paul. You consider Paul having a thorn in the flesh. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And and in verse 7, we see why Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Or Or how it came about, if you will, is what I want to talk about for a minute. A message of of Satan was sent, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. Paul had to endure a demonic ambush that God allowed. Satan came, but God had the orchestrating in it all because nothing happens without God's approval. And he sent that, that it might pound away at Paul's pride. Paul had a powerful, amazing ministry like no other Christian has ever had for God. I don't believe anyone would argue with that. And don't you know how pride can tear up a ministry? If someone is in ministry for what they can get out of it, and the measure of what they do has to do with the measure of what they get, pride is eating that one up. If If someone is not going to do more, or if they see someone doing less and they do less, that's, that's a, a too much of a selfish pro- focus and a pride upon that. I'm telling you, pride will tear up a ministry. And God sent that messenger of Satan to buffet Paul so that it would deflate him of that pride. And Paul said, please take it away. He asked him three times. And God said, no, but my grace is sufficient for thee. So it was an ongoing thing to keep his pride down so that he 
might serve the Lord. God's allowance of Satan to buffet him was God using Satan to bring about good in Paul's life. You've probably heard of the Christian widow who had the atheist landlord. And he made fun of her. She prayed about everything. She prayed all the time. And he made fun of her. And one day he overheard her prayer. And she was praying in reference to her needs. She had no food. She had to pay the rent to the landlord. She had no food and she was hungry. And the landlord overheard her prayer. And he was always messing with her about what she believed. He slipped off down to the store, bought some groceries, went and set them at her front door. He slipped around the corner and he hid. And she opens the door and she sees those groceries and she says, thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs and hearing my prayer. He comes around the corner and he's laughing and he said, God did not give you those groceries. I bought those and I put those there. And she went back and she said, Lord, thank you for these groceries and even having the devil to deliver them. God can use anyone, anywhere, anytime, or anything to get done what He wants to get done for our good and for His glory. Here's another one. Defiled things. God uses defiled things for His glory. And I know I don't need to explain this. I don't think anyone is going to use this as an excuse to sin, as an excuse to justify sin, because God's going to bring about the results and, 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 and use it for His glory. Look, what we're about to talk about is the fact that God will use our suffering from sin for His glory. But of course this is not a license to sin. Of course this is not something for us to say. Well it just happens. Or to make light of it. Or to water it down. Or to, or to just cast it off as, as, not, as not something that is so bad. We shouldn't sin. Just because God uses the suffering from our sin. Doesn't mean that we need to choose to sin so that he can use it. God indeed used the suffering from our sin and brings it about for his glory though. You might think of Peter who denied the Lord three times. He sinned against the Lord. I mean, he said he didn't know him as a man. He didn't know him and his deity. He denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. And he thought he was finished. That God would never use him again. He went back to fishing. He walked away and, and, and took some with him, by the way. Took some disciples with him away from the ministry. And went back to his old secular job. That God had called him out of. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus went hunting him down. Jesus retrieved him. And Jesus restored Peter to service. 
And Peter's life was never the same again. You hear about Peter's mess ups before the cross and and taking off the soldier's ear with his sword and telling the Lord, you don't have to go to the cross and things like that. But Peter was forever changed. He was changed. It it was it was the suffering from his sin he was going through. And God even used that for good. We can trust and rejoice in the promise that good will come out of every occurrence in our lives. So there's the, there's the sum of good. I mean, God says all things, all things work together for good. But let's consider the strength of this good. Because God's promises have never been broken by Him. He has never broken His promises. And this promise that all things work together for good, it has held, it has stood strong. It has never been broken. And it takes the power of God for God to fulfill the promises of God. You know, no situation gets out of hand for God. Wow, is that a sobering thought or what? You consider everything that is going on right now in this world, God knows all about it. God knows all about it. And He's the judge. And it's payday someday. It's the hope of grace for anyone that will come to the Lord Jesus Christ in this life. But is God in control or not? He is. He is. He sees all things. Everything going on in the universe at one time. And God sees it. God knows it. And nothing slips by God. There are are no oops with God. There's, have, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Anything that happens, God knew it was going to happen before it happened. And he says, don't wreck your brain on this stuff. Know that I know. And know that I am in control. The strength of God. Knowing all things at all times, zero broken promises. Nothing gets out of hand for God. He's in control of all matters. And we need to go to this verse often. Because as this study of this verse has caused me to examine my heart and see where I get off track, I doubt I'm alone. And I know there are a lot of us that forget that God is all-powerful. And God is in control. In Luke one thirty-seven, it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Job 42 verse 2 says, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden, from thee. Kind of reminds me of an old gospel song. Talking about God. I knew the thoughts you were thinking. 
when you thought you were thinking alone. He's all powerful and he's all knowing. We need to think on verses like this. We need to hear these over and over and we need to read them and we need to meditate on them because often our eyes get on the circumstances and our eyes get off of Christ. You understand Christ is to shape every Christian's view of everything. And there's a good shaper for us. Poor choice of words. But God is in control of all things at all times. Let us think about that. Let us consider the power of God. Rather than the pollution in this world. It will it will. Bring us to these things. It will bring us to look at these things from a different direction when we go through Almighty God first, who has the world in His hand. Let us remember these promises. For every downhill season, there's an uphill side that we're going to, and it is filled with good. How about? The someones of good. Because I'm not preaching to everyone tonight. I might be preaching to everyone in this sanctuary. I don't know. And, but I don't know if I'm preaching to everyone online. But let's consider the someones of good. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. Hallelujah. Wait. To them that love God. To them who are the called. Not everyone can claim these promises right here. Not everyone has this promise of all things good and bad and indifferent. Everything all together working out for good in their lives. Not everyone can claim this promise. It is for those who love God. Bad things are going to end up bad for those who do not love God. How can we know if we really love God? Because if you would have asked me for 30 years of my life being unsaved, I would have told you, if you'd asked me if I love God, I would have quickly said yes. I, I would have. But I didn't love God. Because to love God, you must first obey the gospel. The gospel is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins according to the scriptures. To obey the gospel means to be saved. A person must be saved before they can love God. 1 John 4.21 says that we love God because He first loved us. We... Romans 5.8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love God only after we are saved by Jesus Christ. That's the only way to love God. Everybody doesn't love God. A whole lot of people say they love God, but they don't. 
They don't and they can't until they are saved. Until they obey the gospel. The Bible says obey the gospel. And that word obey in the Greek language means to render submissive acceptance. Believe in Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. That's when we're able to love God. How do we know we love God? Well, we not only obey the gospel, but we obey Him. John fourteen fifteen. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. We obey him throughout our lives. And that shows him that we love him. That shows us that we love him. That shows the power of his love to us that we're able to obey his commands. Only the born again believer can obey his commands. You must obey the gospel and then you obey him with your life. No one can lay hold of this precious promise we're sharing tonight unless they love God. Be sure Be sure you've obeyed the gospel and be sure you're obeying him before you say you love God. How about the scope of this good? We end this verse with according to his purpose. Wow, what a promise we have that he works everything out and makes it all come together As good. Why? According to his purpose. Though we can and we should rejoice at this promise that we have. The reason for this promise is not to make us joyful. The reason for this promise is to make you and I more like Jesus. Let us go into verse 29 and 30, the two verses after this, and, and listen as I read. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Did you catch that? That we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of God's Son. God is working all things out for our good, not just to bless us and not just to make us happy, that's, that's not the main point at all. God's trying to make us to be more like Jesus, and that's holy. And we don't have to be happy to be holy. It's, it's holiness He's trying to make us into. He wants us to be more like Jesus. And that's what He's doing. That's what He's determined. That's why He's determined to keep this promise to you and I. God's plan for bringing pleasant and painful things together into something good is not for making our lives smooth. It's for making us more like our Savior. God has already saved those who are His, and now He's shaping us. God is changing us. 
And he's going to continually change us throughout our lives. He's constantly changing us for our good and for his glory. We are going to continue to be transformed by him. Are you ready for some more change? Because that is God's purpose in this. That is God's purpose in this promise. And on that thought, as we start to close, please listen to 1 John 3, 2. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to have a certain change in the twinkling of an eye really fast one day at the Lord's coming. But that's not all the change that's happening to make us more like him. It's happening every day. It's happening in every circumstance if we are turning to God and desiring the will of God. In painful things and hard things, it's happening. He's molding us. You understand that he is the potter and we are the clay. And he didn't throw out the clay, but he actually takes troubled waters. And he actually takes points of pressure in our lives. And he's taking an ugly lump of clay and he's molding it into something beautiful. He is taking living water and he is taking some portions of prospering to us as well as the other. And he's taking it all. And the great potter is molding the clay in everything we go through. He's in control of all things. He knows what's coming. He knows what to do with what's coming for our very best and for his glory. Let us never, let us never forget that when we go back to this verse and we read this. Every page of our life is worth something to God. It's worth something. We need to see what the worth is of everything that we go through. Of, of the good and the bad. Because ultimately, he's making it all good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We're not singing any music tonight. But, but maybe we can all together in one just say this, that simple thought. That we all love. Say it with me. God is good all the time. And all the time God is good. Are you ready? Say it with me. God. Amen. Amen. Let's. On that note. Why don't we read Romans 8.28 together as we close. We're not, we're not singing in unity all at once. But we can read together. Okay. Romans 8.28 says. And we know. One more time. I'm sorry. One more time. Romans 8, 28. And. Oh, what a promise. One day, one day we're going to see it is so. Until then, let us believe it. 
Let us believe it, Ryan, in all things. In all things. Well, it has been good to be with you tonight. We've had a, we've had a good time. I'm thankful for the number that is here tonight. It's been good to be in God's house. And I'm going to have Ryan to come up and to close our Bible study in a word of prayer. God bless you all. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for everything you've given us and for this wonderful church that we get to gather in, Lord. And thank you for the basic beliefs that we get to go over and help us be prepared to share our share what we believe to anyone who, who asks. And uh, thank you for this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.